And welcome into another episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I am Kieran Steckley. With me, as always, is a man who is quickly becoming an expert in Florida traffic jams. He is Cody Stavenhagen. How you doing? Uh, I was already an expert. <laughs> Just one spring training down here in Lakeland, driving back and forth, and you will you will quickly be an expert. Tigers are signed to be in Lakeland through 2036. Uh Probably won't be still doing this in 2037, but if I am, I hope they move out of Lakeland. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Putting putting that on the record. I like it. All right. Opening day. It's come and gone. The Tigers lost, in case you missed it, lost to the Tampa Bay Rays, but their jersey said Devil Rays. Nice little throwback. I like that. 4 to nothing. It was a uh, game, Cody, that was eerily familiar, but if you want to look a little bit deeper, there are some things to kind of cling to if you want. But before we kind of get to a little bit of the nitty-gritty stuff, uh, just kind of tell us. You were there, obviously. You know, the the specter of opening day over in Tampa. You got the catwalks. You got the, like I said, the throwback jerseys. It's Miguel Cabrera's last opening day. Um, just kind of take us there a little bit, if you would, Cody, about uh, about how today was for you from your vantage point. Yeah, number one, it's opening day, so that's always great. It's always exciting. Definitely woke up and was excited to head over to the ballpark today. That said, the trop is a trip, all right? It does not really feel like opening day when you're – I've done opening day at Rogers Center, which was actually a great environment. But being indoors in the trop with the the catwalks and then there's the Rays 25th anniversary – Everyone knows the Rays don't draw well. Opening day is supposed to be a sellout. There are a ton of empty seats, and they announced the attendance as 25025. Clearly a nod to their 25th anniversary. Clearly a fake number. Uh, so I must say, in terms of opening day environments, it really was not good. It kind of lacked some of that that pulse, that excitement that you are used to on uh, what's obviously a very special and emotional day. For a lot of people. So that was a little bit of a bummer. But once we get there into the action, things are good. And I do love the Devil Rays uniforms. You know, shout out. Um, it's kind of crazy that that color scheme was like ever a thing. Because it just looks very out of place. Uh, but I low-key love it. You know, kind of grew up watching that team. I even I even have a uh, throwback Devil Rays shirt. So those are some of my main takeaways in terms of the, the atmosphere and the ambiance. Yeah, you know, uh, Dan Dickerson on the radio made some mention. It's like, you know, they opened this in 1990. The team didn't start until 1998 or, you know, whatever the year was. And they just kind of built it hoping to get a team or, <laughs> or whatever. And I thought, man, just it just piles up whenever people talk about the raise and, like, their lack of spending. And it's like it's not just on payroll, people. Uh, but – can't really criticize them. They are a well-run operation, and we saw that on full display. The Tigers shut out for the first time on opening day since 1989. Scott Harris bust, question mark. That's coming up next. No, I'm just kidding. We're not doing that. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, overall, I, th- I I liked Erod today. I You know, his numbers are going to look worse than, than watching him pitch. He... Went nine straight. The second time through the order, he went nine straight. I thought his I thought his locations were good. I thought his game plan was good. 
I thought, you know, with the exception, obviously, of uh, of leading a pitch out there uh, for for the solo home run, and then you know Foley gives up a couple. I wouldn't call them C and I singles, but you know nothing to brag about singles, and uh, it makes his ERA look worse than it was. Uh, it was a classic Erod moment. He looked in midseason form, I thought. Um, so before we get to the offense, your thoughts on Eduardo uh, starting out there? Yeah, Eduardo was really good, like you said, better than the line reflects. He was really, I think Eduardo's at his best when he's spotting the fastball, getting his cutter into right-handed hitters. Then he was doing that pretty much all day, keeping him off balance with the changeup away. Really made one bad pitch, and it was a, supposed to be a backdoor cutter to Jose Siri that just kind of leaked over into the plate, and Siri crushed it. Then Eduardo, as you said, locked back in, was really good, retires nine straight. Problem is, then he came back out for the sixth, which of course I had no problem with. His pitch count was fine, whatever. Um, and for a guy who has thrown a lot and thrown into, I think, the sixth and spring training games, he looked pretty fatigued all of a sudden. Could see the arm slot, arm slot drop a little bit. Saw the va- the fastball velo go from kind of 93 to 91, 92, and command totally fell apart. Lead off, walk, base hit. Next thing you know, he's in trouble. In a close game, that ended up being enough to do him in. Um, obviously, I had no problem with, with AJ pulling when he did. Eduardo was in some trouble. And yeah, uh, two singles get through that, had there been a shift, are probably hit into the shift last year. Instead, they get through, and it's at that point a 3 0 game. And when the Rays have Shane McClanahan on the mound, three runs is probably about all you need. Yeah, and let's go to the Tigers off. <clears throat> excuse me, to the Tigers offense here for a second. And it I'm not breaking any news here. Like that guy knows how to pitch. He's got some velo. Uh he's intimidating out there quite honestly. And so this was going to be I mean, it'd be a tough matchup for everybody, right? But this was going to be a, an especially tough line uh matchup for this Tigers lineup with the amount of youth in there and then just the general lack of consistently proven bats in a lineup but I did want to kind of just start out here with the lineup in general this is our first time seeing a lineup that means anything right obviously and since and we've talked about before there's not going to be that many you're not going to see this construction all that often because there's just not that many left-handed uh pitchers in the division right so so kind of take that for for what it's worth but we got Veerling Batting leadoff, followed by Javi, Riley Green, Eric Haas, Spencer Torkelson, Austin Meadows, Miguel Cabrera, Jonathan Scope, and Ryan Kreidler got the start. Obviously, that's a lefty thing. Uh, Maton, I would expect to start against right-handers. I was was a little surprised to see Riley at the three. I think I think he I think he's a two-hole hitter from from uh, from heaven. Uh, in a lot of ways, and I didn't hate Javi at the two there in general, but I'd rather have Riley at two. I think you just got to get him more at bats. Uh, Meadows at the six hole is interesting, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Cabrera is where he needs to be. Uh, Scope is kind of where he needs to be. I I have no problem with Kreidler batting ninth. Uh, Haas is a... I have, a, I have a weird thing about Haas being that high. His track record is, yes, he deserves it. But I also kind of, I don't know, is the best version of this team with him batting cleanup? I would probably say no. 
but he also has earned it. So that, that's why I mean with the, the catch-22 uh, there in, in, in my mind as I look at this lineup. I have a suggestion for the lineup a little bit later, but just in general, Cody, when you see this kind of laid out there for the first time, what were your thoughts? Yeah, pretty much about what I, ex- I expected. I was a little bit interested to see who the leadoff guy would be against a left-handed starter. Veerling made the most sense, but I was like, eh, do, you, do, you, do you really feel good about Veerling leading off against McClanahan? Even though Riley is a left-handed batter, he hits lefties well. Could you, could you lead off Riley Green? Uh, one with Veerling, I didn't have an issue with that. Some of the, the lineup criticisms that I saw on Twitter, and even a couple of the, the um, more questions you just mentioned, I would really push back on. It seems like people are forgetting Tigers were facing a left-handed starter. Javier Baez is a 293 career hitter against lefties, 874 OPS. Uh, pretty much made for that two spot. Eric Haas crushes lefties. I don't know if he'd be in the cleanup spot against a right-handed pitcher, but against a lefty, um, I think that makes a lot of sense. And Matt Lefty, I think it's uh, on the order. Still a little weird to think that Isak Paredes is hitting three in the Rays lineup and Meadows is hitting six in the Tigers lineup. Uh, but Meadows, who did go three for four, by the way, including, including two knocks against McClanahan, I would imagine he is in the top four hitters against a right-handed starting pitcher. And probably Maton is the, the choice to lead off against a righty. I guess we'll get to see some of this here uh, coming up on Saturday. But um, just important to keep in mind, you know, the starting pitcher with that left with that uh, line of construction. For sure. And I would also note that one of those Meadows uh, knocks was uh, got past Paredes, uh, who was playing who was playing first base. I'm surprised he never he didn't get more playing time at first base when he was in Detroit. Since everybody can play first base, uh, it took him to go to Tampa to be able to <laughs> to get that done. Um, let's get into kind of the read between the line stuff. Uh, Spencer, the word on Twitter is that he had the he had good approaches, and and his uh, you, your story is already out right now. You can read it if you're an athletic subscriber. Uh, Talking about the exit velo for for his ground balls, kind of like me in my uh, softball game last night, just hard ground balls, kind of <laughs> frustrating. But you're like, well, I'm hitting the ball hard, uh, and, and and then Riley put a charge in the one, and Haas put a charge in the one. Uh, something that Dickerson noted is that you're just not getting any gifts uh, on fly balls in, in that dome. Although it didn't really seem to didn't really seem to hurt the Rays all that much, but <laughs> such is life. I don't want to overreact and say, oh, this was encouraging, this was encouraging. But if you're just looking for the basics of what things are going to come over time, uh, they're going to yield the results you want over time, hard hits and good approaches are what you're looking for. And we got that at least from two guys that, you know, the future of this franchise as currently constructed depends on in Green and Torkelson. Yeah, I mean... Here was a, the worst take I saw on Twitter. Jim Costa, semi-serious question. How many games do I have to wait to be concerned in Spencer Torkelson? 0 for 4 today, all week ground outs. It's categorically false. Three of them were hard hit balls. Like literally, you know, literally increases his hard hit rate. So that is not right. Um, obviously, you want to see him get those balls in the air a little bit. But McClanahan, man, I, I, just to circle back, 
some of us were talking before the game, and you, you kind of thought, you know, the Tigers might just get shut out. And this game unfolded so much, kind of like you thought it would. The Tigers got shut out, and McClanahan was utterly dominant, and he really made, like, no mistakes. I mean, it was, it was incredible. He did not give the Tigers uh, anything appetizing to hit all day. In fact, the Tigers should be applauded a little bit for, as A.J. Hinch said after the game, having pretty good at-bats. You know, they jacked his pitch count up, six strikeouts in six innings against McClanahan, not not too terrible. Um, did not strike out against the, the Rays' bullpen at all. Registered four hits, had several other hard-hit balls. You can feel pretty good about that against uh, a guy who is really quickly entering the elite tier of starters in the American League. In fact, I picked him to be the Cy Young winner, and I think we saw uh, exactly why Thursday. He is nasty, and it actually could have been a lot uglier on the Tigers' part, despite the fact they did not score a single run. Yeah, I I mean, I was reading some reactions, and I thought they didn't get enough credit, uh, the hitters in general, for, what was it, runner on each of the first five or something like that. Yeah, you got a couple doubles, and I mean— not trying to be like Mr. Flowery Rosie guy over here, but given this lineup, given the pitching matchup, and and given the you know the opening day jitters for a lot of these guys, like I I wasn't too disappointed by that. All right, so I wrote. You no, know, I thought it was a perfect reflection of the Tigers. Like, yeah, they they had good approaches, which is good, all, all signs, like maybe it'll be better than last year, and yet there's still just not a lot of talent in this lineup. They are going to get completely dusted when they face an elite pitcher like this a lot of the time. You never really felt like, oh, maybe they're about to break through. You know, yeah. it just never felt like that was coming, and sure enough, it did not. True, very, very true. All right, so speaking of bad takes, I got five of them. I'm doing some. All right. I'm doing some overreactions. People want. People want overreactions. Let's go. Overreactions to one game out of 162. So I got five. Like I said, number one. I don't think Erod was pitching for the Tigers today. I think he was auditioning for the Tampa Bay Rays, and I say that specifically <laughs> because, as I mentioned, he went. Nine straight, like second second way through the order, he retired all nine in a row. And then the gas, you know, like you said, he ran out of gas. What is Tampa kind of known for? You know, third time through the order, you're not they're not so inclined to give you that ne- next shot. That felt like a Tampa Bay pitching performance by Eduardo Rodriguez. I think he was auditioning. And... Maybe Scott Harris is cool with that. I don't know, but it felt like a perfect Rays pitching performance against the Rays uh, for Eduardo. Overreaction number two. There's got to be some way. It can't be a white line, but there's got to be some way to kind of mark second base because (laughs) with with lines that kind of go from the corners out, basically, because the Rays perfectly... They found a way to basically shift without like without violating the uh, the the rules essentially. Even though it kind of felt like, yeah, are they? Is he on the bag? Is he? You know, whatever. It felt a little sort of gray area to me. So I think we need some lines that go from the corners of second base out to the grass or turf in order to clearly see if you are in your right spot because the Tigers got robbed of a hit or two uh, in that fashion. Number three, 
I don't know any data on this. I don't know, you know, obviously not being there, I can't see things as well, you know, just with the television camera and replays. But just something we're just going to have to monitor is the foot speed, the lateral quickness of Jonathan Scope <laughs> without without the shift because we're just, you know, he he does look good. By the way, it does he does look good even on on camera which adds, you know, 10 15 pounds. He does look good, but anytime a ground ball gets by him, like that's just going to be the natural question. So what is his lateral quickness? I don't know. Is he cut out for this? I don't know. But that's just always going to be an overreaction, basically throughout the season. My lineup suggestion that I mentioned earlier. I would, I wouldn't mind Meadows maybe batting one, and you kind of put Veerling back in there, maybe uh, right around Miguel Cabrera if he has, you know, that double that he had today. Veerling could probably score from first on that, you know, with with his elite speed. I kind of like him in front of Miguel get another speed guy when Miguel inevitably hits it into the ground because, unfortunately, that's just kind of the reality situation a lot of times with him. But I, I like I thought Meadows proved a lot today. It was nice to see him perform well. I'm sure it was a mixed emotions thing playing in his old home, obviously, uh, and seemed like he's healthy. He looked good, you know what I mean? So uh, I would like to see him higher in the order just in general, even against the lefty. Like, I, I, just, I just believe in that. And last year, Cody, the bullpen was a problem. You know, it was a problem. Like you were, you had all these arms, you had all these options. This year, the bullpen might just be a problem. It just, you know, <laughs> it might just be a problem. It's not a problem. It's a problem. You know, so, uh, so those are my five overreactions. You can kind of take that in any direction you like. Oh wow, a lot there. The scope thing is interesting. Heard that from a couple people. Um... I, coming into the year, was actually pretty confident Scope could handle second. His range would be fine. He has looked a tad slow and not moving well laterally, despite his off-season of doing cone drills and whatever he was sending AJ Hinch video of. And that, that did come back to bite the Tigers, arguably on one of those hits that, that squeaked through in the sixth inning. I'm not positive if he would have got there. Even one of the balls he got to that was hit uh, to his glove side. He kind of took a while getting there and ended up having to crowd on the run. Let's just keep watching that one a little longer. Uh, his arm still played. I mean, there was a double play the Tigers turned that I'm not sure gets turned, if not for Scopes. Strong arm at second base, so maybe there are some trade-offs there. Um, Eduardo, yeah, my bold prediction for the year last week was that Eduardo eventually gets traded, so... I don't know if the Rays will ever want to add like any payroll, even if it's for like half a season, especially if not for a guy who could potentially stay. And then they'd be like, I don't know if it's to the Rays, but he's, he's probably always auditioning for someone at this point with where he's at. Uh, and the bullpen, I don't know. I, I, I want to see some more of these guys throw. I'm actually feeling, I think AJ Hinch and Chris Fetter are going to figure it out. Interesting to see Trey Wingener throw. I uh, was high on him in the spring. He had a nice spring. If his velo ticks up, he was more 96 when we kind of expected him to be 98 in the spring. If he gets back up 98, 99, man, that guy's going to be a problem in a good way. Uh, so we'll see. You know, Mason Engler, Rule 5 kid, came out of the pen tonight, and what you didn't want to happen happened, which is first duty face in the big leagues in your debut, hits a homer. Happens to be Wander Franco, and you go eight pitches against him, you know, and then you finally just leave one over the plate. Um, 
that's got to be a nightmare. But, you know, overall it worked okay. Even Foley, who allowed the two hits. Again, they, they were grounders that just happened to got through. And they weren't weak hit, but they weren't hard hit either. Jason Shreve was actually really good. Had uh, struck out two of the three batters he faced. So, um, uh, yeah, a, a lot more to see with this bullpen here. Let's let this whole series play out. And by the way, congrats to Mason. Uh, new thing baseball is doing this year. I don't know if you guys saw. If you make your MLB debut, you have a little patch on your sleeve. Uh, it's cool, but also that it's not something you keep. Like they're going to cut that out, and it's going to be on your rookie card. It's going to be a one of one rookie card, uh, which is again cool on some instances, but it's also going to be like depending on the player, it's going to be like a like Bolfies is going to be like hella expensive. Like it. Like, yeah, like he gets. I think this is dumb. He gets a Marvin ploy. No, hundred percent. DiMaggio didn't have a debut patch on his jersey. <laughs> that is true, and he also didn't get in the Hall of Fame on his first ballot, so therefore no one should. Uh, <laughs> lastly, we'll wrap up here. Try to make this a quick little pod. Uh, we don't have a HKG rankings update, but maybe we can do some HKG moments moments of the week moments of the game whatever javier Baez drew a walk and as you pointed out in your story that was he only did that against a left-hander what was it like six times last year or something six times six Six times six times and he drew a walk today jonathan scope also drew a walk here's a stat for you it took javi's fourth game to get a walk last year and then it took like 10 more to get a second walk. Like, it was something like that. Jonathan Scope did not have a walk until April 19th last season. It was the 10th game he played in. So, one for one, they both drew walks. The influence of Scott Harris reigns supreme. So, there you go. HKG Moments brought to you by nobody because nobody sponsored it. But we are keeping an eye on the little things like that here, Cody. Yeah, but people were trying to cut scope again on Twitter today. He had a nine pitch at bat that that did end in, I believe, in a strikeout. It was a nine pitch at bat against McClanahan. It was good, and then and then he drew a walk. So come on, his second at bat of the day was pretty terrible. But we don't have to talk about that part. <laughs> uh, yeah, when scope drew his walk, uh, Chris McCoskey and I looked up to PR and we're like, "You got to call Elias." You know, when's the last time Baez and Scope walked on the same day? Has this ever happened before? Oh my God. Uh, don't actually have the answer to that question. I'm sure it has. It probably happened last year or something. Well, again, they didn't walk all that often, so it actually wouldn't take that much research to do. <laughs> Maybe next time we'll, we'll we'll have that number available. All right, uh, Cody, you don't want to take up too much more of your time. You had a long, productive day. Uh, anything else you wanted to add before we get out of here? No, that's it. We'll have another pod up uh, this weekend or Monday, and we'll, we'll go deeper into the roster, the final roster decisions, and, and Scott Harris and some other stuff. So thanks to everyone for listening. Hope you got your little opening day fix in this evening. Yes, and I want on a personal note, I wanted to take the time to, uh, to, to thank everybody who reached out to me, said some very kind words, thoughts and prayers, and all that stuff. Uh, it does mean a lot. I tried to respond to every single one. It's possible I missed one or two. Uh, if that's the case, it's not because I didn't see it. I did see it. I did appreciate it. Um, it's just it's just something I'm uncomfortable with because I'm uncomfortable being like the center of attention, like I said last week. But I do appreciate it very much. My family appreciates it. Uh, just a quick little update on my dad. Physically, he's doing well. 
it's just all about the brain recovering. Uh, and it's one of those things where we make so many advances in modern medicine, but uh, there's no predicting that. There's no, you know, they, they, the doctor just can't give us anything because it's just, you just never know. So uh, it's, it's some good, but we still got to get, we still got to get to the next step. And I don't know when that will be. Uh, it, it's just impossible to say. So, um, like I said, I appreciate everybody's well wishes. Uh, one of the things I did today was I was in his hospital room and had the the game on, so we got to watch, listen to uh, to opening day together, and uh, and so hopefully those kind of things, those little small things, maybe help help the spirits or whatever. And that's that's something that uh, is not definable. But if medicine and science can't define it, then we're gonna go with the spiritual route, right? So. Uh, like I said, I want to thank everybody for uh, for the well wishes. It, it does mean a lot. And I want to thank Cody for taking time. I want to thank everybody who subscribes on Apple and Spotify. I want to thank everybody who subscribes to The Athletic so you can read Cody's great work, including a Scott Harris profile that gives you an idea of who this guy is and what his makeup and what his journey is. And uh, like I said, we'll expand on that in Sunday's episode. So for Cody Stavenhagen, I'm Kieran Steckley. Everybody have a great couple of days. Then we'll talk to you again.